0: Joking, <laughs> anyway, yeah. No, I'm not going to dig a hole. I'm going to keep moving forward. So the last, actually, even before I start, because I was going to say the last couple of weeks I've been talking about new beginnings and you know wanting to to, to I guess remember them, sustain them, keep them. And I want to I want to keep on that thought because part of new beginnings is is knowing how to fight for them and having the words to fight for them. But before before I go there, um, yes. Uh, with our worship structure today, it, it, does anyone ever come to church and you just go away thinking, wow, that was such a surreal moment with God? I just, I, I just felt like the heavens were open. I could have really, I could have just worshipped for another half an hour, an hour, two hours. I could have just sat there and waited. There are times when you and I, whether you're on the stage or, 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 or you're sitting in, in amongst the congregation, where we bring a sacrifice of praise, yeah, where it's difficult. It's difficult to get to the house because I've had a difficult week. It's difficult to get to the house because, man, it was a schmuzzle at my home overnight. Um, I'm I'm leading worship because the person that was supposed to collapse, so please please pray for us. He legitimately collapsed, was taken to hospital. He's back home. Everything seems fine. They don't have an answer. It's not his heart. It's not blood pressure. it might have been he was sitting having a coffee with his lovely wife Allie. It just might have been her beauty overwhelmed him. I, I don't know what it is or what it what it was, but if you can continue just to pray that they would find the reason why. If it's fatigue, whatever it might be, that they would have an answer th- so that it could be dealt with. But in that, in that we pray for that healing, but in that Emmy says, Yes, I'll put up my hand. Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. And then this morning our, our poor drummer, not not lucky, but Ben's at home. His foot's locked, stiff. You know, he, so he can't. He just he can't play. He's, we're praying for him too. Pray for Ben's leg. Yeah, but in that thirty minutes before, hey, Lock, can you come and play the drums? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, just give me give me some time to brush my teeth, get rid of my overnight smell. I'll come smelling beautiful, and I'll bring my praise to the house. But what happens what happens when people like that step up like that they bring a sacrifice of praise so for you and I that are in our seats yeah we go to worship we don't have to you know we don't have to rev ourselves up because the presence of God is so here and so manifest because of the sacrifice of others yeah if i love this house for anything it's for our worship it's for the ability to step into a place where we open up yeah um, trap doors of heaven if you will to allow the, the, the angels to, to, to ascend and descend into the house beautiful time of worship yeah. beautiful time so all of that to say wherever you're at like one of the songs that we, one of the songs that we were singing yeah. thank you for not starting the timer don't start the timer one of the songs that we were, we were singing was um, you, you'll never take the praise out of my mouth Yeah, that, that's correct yeah we, we need to be a people that no matter where we're at in life, no matter what's happening, yeah, cancer, COVID, death, children, no children, work, unemployed, wherever we're at, yeah, that we, that we can actually step into that and allow praise to come out of our mouth, to allow praise to smash open that atmosphere that, that is trying to bring us down and say, I'm not going to take that. I am going to praise. I'm going to praise. So no matter how my body might feel, my spirit's taking control. You know, no matter how my, my emotions are, no, no matter how up and down I might be, I am going to allow my spirit to, to run riot and take control here. We need to be a people that will bring out praise, no matter what. Nothing but you know, death, really and even then you'll be praising when we're in heaven but nothing is going to stop this praise coming out of my mouth that's the type of people that we are yeah amen father bless the word wherever I go in Jesus name (laughs) we're going to keep going in Mark so we're going to look in Mark chapter 1 I'm going to jump to verse 20 something 21 and I want to read I've got a few verses up to 28 but I'm going to stop after the first verse just to make a Little mini, mini, it's a mini sermon in amongst my sermon, is that right? So Mark chapter 1 verse 21, Lord truly have your way today for those that are here, for those that are listening, for those that are at home, for those that may be listening somewhere down the track, Father we just say have your way in our hearts in Jesus' name. And verse 21 reads, they went to Capernaum, Capernaum, however you want to pronounce it, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. So they went to Capernaum, uh, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue to teach. The reason I want to stop right here is there's something that people we often miss. What's going on here? Jesus yeah, worshipped <laughs> with the congregation, with the assembly on Sabbath days. He was actually there on Sabbath days. I made a point last week, and and I just want to drive it home, yeah? We're we're not created to do church alone. We're created to to be the church, and we're created not to sit and just hear a sermon, but we're created to worship God together, yeah? we We're created to come and hear teaching that will encourage us and shape us more into the image of Jesus himself. Jesus was in the custom of going to a church, his synagogue on Sabbath days. For all those that are out there that are listening, I don't care what you think the New Testament's about, but if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Yeah. Full stop. So let me just keep going. So he's teaching people on the Sabbath days. And, and what we have to catch is the way that it's, it's phrased. It, it, depending on, on the versions that you read, it actually, it's saying Sabbath days. In the Greek, it's plural. It's not saying Jesus was here on the Sabbath day. It's, it's actually saying that he's, he comes here on the Sabbath days. Yeah, it's plural. On the Sabbath days, he actually comes. And, and the reason that, the, that that point's being made in the Greek is they want to show us that Jesus actually has a rhythm to life. Yeah, He's got a, a pattern that he lives by. This is what he does. He begins out by going to the synagogue in Capernaum to praise, worship, and teach with the people. That's what he does. That's his pattern. Yeah, He wanted to be with God's people on the Sabbath day. Now, here's some history for you. The 4th century church, that's its actual name. Today, the 4th century church in Capernaum is actually, they say, is almost certainly the place that Jesus worshipped and preached at on this day that we're reading about. So what I love about that is that the Bible's real because historically it's true and they even built a church in that place. So for those that say there's inerrancy in the Bible... Man, there's no inerrancy in God, not my God anyway. It's encouraging to know that the Bible is real. So let me add that Ignatius, Ignatius was a first century pastor in Antioch, and and he actually was discipled by John himself. And he wrote one of the earliest Christian writings outside of, of the Bible. And he wrote this, no longer observing the Sabbath, so no longer observing the Sabbath, but... Living in observance of the Lord's day. Living in observance of the Lord's day. I love that because John, he was John's disciple, and and John taught Ignatius. And it was John who wrote in the book of Revelation, On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. Yeah? A custom, a rhythm, a pattern to being in the Lord's day, being in his house. Yeah? So, Jesus' home synagogue. It was Nazareth for 30 years, but then for the last three years of his ministry, he was in Capernaum. So in his 33 years of life, Jesus had two congregations, two families that he joined with. I thought that was worth mentioning. I thought that was worth sitting on. Because that, for me, is saying there's something about Jesus' life that tells us It's actually important to be planted in a fellowship. Yeah? Yeah? Jesus wasn't a church hopper. A church hopper is not someone that finds a new church because like a plant, you get to a point where it's no longer going to flourish in that soil, but the more moist soil or the drier soil or where it gets more sun, it's going to flourish, and so you dig it up. I'm 50. I've been in three churches, maybe four you know we all have a life within a church some people will stay within the one their entire life amen but we're not talking church hopping rick warren <laughs> rick warren's actually really funny he calls it he calls church hoppers bunny believers <laughs> bunny believers should probably should have shared that joke at easter time even though jesus ended his days without a home he was always at home in the local church And when he was itinerant, those three years when he was ministering, it was so the whole world could actually have a local church. Yeah? And so the Sabbath day, it's not a breakfast day, it's not a brunch day, it's not a lamb roast day, though we all love those days, right? It's actually a Jesus day. And so if we've got new beginnings that God has spoken into our soul, we need to get that truth into our soul to start with and get that right. Yeah? Amen. Let me say this for our kids too. All our kids. When it comes to habits, when it comes to rhythms, I, some rhythms, some habits are really hard. I tried to play the drums <laughs> earlier today and um, I learned, because I'm not taught, that it's, it's, as you learn to play drums, it's a bit of muscle memory, I'm told. Is that right for our drummers? Yeah. Though my hands wanted to play a rhythm, my foot wouldn't play the same rhythm with my hands and when I got my foot to play the rhythm my hands wouldn't play the same rhythm as my foot yeah? some rhythms are hard to teach some patterns are hard to teach but if we're going to teach our children anything yeah, and give them the memory muscle that we can actually pass on then what we should teach them is the rhythm of worshipping God week in, week out, sun, hail shine in the house of God yeah, full stop. I thank God for my, for my kids. Yeah, I thank God for them. They love the Lord. They love worshipping God. And yes, they have moments. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a blessed inheritance. And, and my prayer, Mel and I, our prayer, is that our children will receive the same blessed inheritance with their children. That's for free. Now we'll get back to the scripture. So Jesus was in Capernaum. <laughs> Segway. On the Sabbath, in the house of the Lord, verse 22 actually reads, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out. When it says just then, it's, it's actually telling you something's about to happen. Yeah. Just then, it would be like you, you're reading a comic book, and you get to the next square, and up the top it says, "Just then," and the picture changes. Yeah. Just then, verse twenty-four. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. We know that Jesus is teaching because it tells us from the beginning that he's in Capernaum on the Sabbath in the house of the Lord. People were amazed at his teaching. He's teaching. Jesus is teaching, yeah? But we only have six words that are recorded. Only six words out of all of his teaching. Man, I feel like we're getting ripped off here. Yeah? Like, I, I know that Mark's focused, he's to the point, but dude, you could have added some detail, you know? But I'm assuming then that if there's only six words, then these six words are really important for us to hone in on and to look at, Yeah? We'll keep reading though. Verse 25, be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently, and he came out with a shriek. That would have been an awesome Sunday morning. Don't you reckon? Hey, that would have been so good. There was a shriek last night in our house, but it certainly wasn't a demon being delivered but when Ashbadi won there was a shriek coming from one of the couches anyway the people were so amazed that they asked each other what is this a new teaching and with authority he even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee I love this so it's such a wonderful but potent, power, powerful passage of Scripture. But, but first I want to suggest there's actually something, for you and I today, there is something that's more dangerous. <laughs> more dangerous than the coronavirus. I know some of you are thinking that's impossible. But it's true. Seriously, I'll tell you what's more dangerous than the coronavirus. It's more, in fact, it's more dangerous than anything And everything that you can imagine, it's sin that's in this world that is more dangerous than any disease. The sin that is in this world. Because the truth is, this sin, the stuff that separates us from God, has affected each and every one of us somewhere in our life. And even as children of God, seated in heavenly places, the enemy still tries to get us and to tempt us the same way he did Jesus, Yeah. So we see it here in the passage that we, that we read. We see the power of sin. We also see the reality of the enemy. The enemy's real, the devil, yeah? And it clearly affects every human being, not just this man that we read about. The good news is, by the time we get to verse 28, we know that Jesus and his good news is already, the message is already spreading yeah, through all of Galilee. That's actually good news. And now Jesus begins to teach and he speaks out six words, six really powerful words. And the thing I want us to notice about his teaching is that he speaks them directly to a broken man, to a messed up man. Yeah? That that's what I love. It, it, it wasn't a, a suit and tie, perfectly primp and proper person. Jesus spoke these powerful words directly to a broken and messed up person. You know, Jesus doesn't say things to please the high and mighty, to please the governments. He, he doesn't try to woo the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, or the Romans and the Greeks of the day. He doesn't try to, to I guess, appeal or appease to a special group of, you know, of people, a special interest group. He doesn't even try to balance out the different tribes or, or, or hang out. You know how sometimes you can hang out insecurely with people because it, it means that, you know, it's better for you in the long run? You know, I'll hang out with the bullies because then I won't get bullied, you know, that sort of stuff. He doesn't even hang out, you know, insecurely with those people that will make him more secure. No, instead, Jesus speaks to broken people. That just says, hey, you know what? I love people. And, and I reckon this is when preaching actually becomes real, when it starts to speak to the brokenness within us. The reality that God wants to do a work within us, Yeah? I love it because I know that there are those in the world around us that would love to pressure preachers to say something to please a particular group. Yeah, Balance it out. Why don't you jump in here and fix the debate or jump in here and fix the debate? I've been told so many times, you can't sit on the fence. Well, no, I can. If I can see both sides, I can sit on the fence. And even if I'm on this side, I can still see that side and I can agree with that. There are always people that want preachers to, to preach in a particular way, but that's not preaching, that's politics, isn't it? <laughs> what the preacher's called to do is to preach to broken people. Matthew nine twelve. on hearing this, Jesus says, is it not the healthy who need a doctor? Is it not the healthy? But the, you know, and it he goes on to say, but the sick. It's not the righteous who need the doctor, but an, the unrighteous. So if you and I are spiritually sick, you know what that means? Jesus can help us today and every other day, Amen. Yeah, Because if you're not sick, if you're perfect, then Jesus has got nothing to do in your life. Which I, I can't wait because every day we get transformed into the image of Jesus with ever-increasing glory. So every day, really in our walk, our faith, we get better and better. But let's be real, we still live in a world and in a broken body, in a flesh that decays and gets older, fatter, slower, better looking for some, yeah, you know, I love this that Jesus isn't put off by the man that is awkward, that is loud, that is difficult. Even when Jesus speaks truth, this man says things that just don't seem to fit well. Jesus was trying to be kind and he comes out with, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? We know who you are, Holy One of God, you know. Jesus doesn't give this guy any more words to use, he actually stops him in his tracks. You know, the guy's spoken. It's like he said, hey, dude, you've had your fill. No more from you, right? But what Jesus does do, though he doesn't allow him to speak, he ministers to him. He ministers to the broken man, showing God's heart. And I want to say it's not just the demon-possessed man that has problems, right? The Bible shows us that every single one of us has been affected by Adam's fall. Every one of us. We were all trapped somewhere, sometime. Yeah, without God or God being further away or even who's had the moment where you're walking with God and all of a sudden it's like it's like I've been awakened well what about the last 5 10 15 20 years yeah all of us yeah you've got to come to grips with it yeah the enemy doesn't want you to have a faith with God so all of us have been affected by the fall and by sin in some way You know, I thank God that back then, all the years ago, when I was 19, my best mate at the time, totally lied to my face to get me to a church. Totally lied to my... Coerced and lied to me. Didn't know I was going to a church till it's like, hey, dude, where did you bring me? Are you serious? Too late, I was there. I was in his car. I wasn't going anywhere. Sometimes you've got to get him by hook or by crook. Yeah? by the end of that service I was at the front crying giving my heart to Jesus it didn't matter how I got there yeah I thank God for Dominic for that day flat out yeah Jesus found me he captured me he arrested my soul he invited me into family and I discovered God's family that day you know I said it last week and we were actually singing about it today but there's nothing greater there's no greater thing than to know Jesus there's no greater thing to be a a part of the family of God. You know, every one of us is a mess without Jesus. And if you're not a, not a mess today, it's probably because you've got Jesus firmly in your life. But fear not, life will mess something up soon for you. <laughs> you know, it's not about our good works or what we've done. It's about what God has worked in us, amen? So now, this man in the passage, just like us before Jesus... He's caught, he's stuck in sin, he's, he's, he's trapped, yeah? He's separated from God. And, and it seems that this man, as we read, has even opened himself up to even more of the enemy. It's obvious from Scripture that he's got a lot of the devil in him, yeah? It's in his muscles, it's in his mood, you know, it's in his mind. You can hear it when he speaks, there's no logic. He's lost the ability to self-control, in fact, you and I, when we stop being human, really, is when we actually lose control. When we lose control, we actually stop being a little bit human. Yeah? A Christian's a person who's controlled and led by Holy Spirit. Yeah? And then we live our lives according to Holy Spirit. But we see here in verse 26 that the Spirit shook the man violently. Mark, in, in verse 26, the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. It's a scary thing if you've ever seen anyone convulsing. Ever seen anyone convulsing? It's scary, isn't it? Yeah? Particularly if you're not sure what to, what to do. But this is more than intense pain or a seizure. This is actually the demonic realm, a demon trying to dehumanize this man. Yeah? So, so let me just talk on this just for a second on humanized and dehumanized. The in the Bible, the devil messes with a, a guy, a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, yeah? And, and Nebuchadnezzar was, was a proud king, and he was proud of, all, his, of a, all of his achievements. In fact, he was a brilliant man, and everything he did seemed to turn to gold. In fact, he had the most powerful army in the world, Nebuchadnezzar did. He built, they say, the greatest garden that the world has ever seen outside of the Garden of Eden. They call it the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, yeah? And he was so proud of everything that he'd done. And then one day, he's walking across the roof of the palace and he makes this comment. He goes, is this not the great Babylon that I have built? Yeah, that's what he... he you can read it. He walks across the roof. and goes, isn't this the great Babylon that I have built? And the Bible says that immediately, that second, he became like an animal. When he claimed all glory for himself... He ceased to be fully human, yeah? And he became less than human. So whenever we claim glory for ourselves and we push God out, you and I, we cease to be human. Today we call it pride. This is what pride does. And the Bible tells us that this man, Nebuchadnezzar, became like an animal, a soulless shell of a man. This powerful man became an embarrassment to the whole Babylonian empire. And in fact, the Bible says that he wriggled and he writhed on the ground like a snake, that he ate grass like a cow. Everyone has seen anyone that is demonically possessed writhing on the ground and wriggling on the ground like a snake? I have. One of my best friends years ago. It's not a happy sight. It's like, oh my goodness, Hercules, Hercules. No, it's not like that. Like, it's really scary stuff. And this is what's happening to this once great king. It's a terrible fall. And it's a fall that can happen to anyone that rejects God, rejects the living God. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't, the Bible says, until in his own testimony, the words from the book says, I lifted my eyes towards heaven and my sanity restored. So it wasn't until he began to acknowledge God again that he stopped being an animal and he became human. And they say many scholars believe it was at that point that Nebuchadnezzar actually was converted, came to faith, started to believe in God, it was his conversion. Who's ever fallen downstairs? Yeah, can I tell you, we've got three stairs at home just to go to their laundry and toilet and bedrooms. I slip down them often. And all you hear is this. And you hear, honey, are you all right? Yeah, I'm okay, love. What happened? Well, I don't know. If I knew what happened, I wouldn't have done it. What are you on the floor for? I don't know. It was just, I was just walking and I don't know if I went. Three steps. It's like, what's, you know, my depth perception's good, but every once in a while, bang, 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 and I'm down. Like, you're laughing because you can picture every time I've done it. Like, it's just insane. I'm just going to the toilet, I'll do one step, and if I miss the other two. Look, like it's embarrassing. I'm only 51. Three steps shouldn't be an issue. Am I going to have to put handrails just to get to my bedroom and to the toilet? Like, it's insane. But if any of us have fallen downstairs every time you and I yeah, sin or have the propensity to do something that separates us from God, it's like falling downstairs. The issue is, there's no limit to the amount of stairs when it comes to doing stuff that separates you from God. God will never separate himself from you. But we certainly can do stuff that will push him away, you know, we keep him at arm's length. There's no limit to the stuff we can do to separate ourselves from God. Remember sin can be pleasurable for a time, yeah? But if you continue in sin, eventually it leads to a spiritual death. You know, that's the problem with the culture today. Every time a culture falls, think about it. Every time a culture falls, they fall down the stairs, they fall down two or three steps. People say, hey, just give me those two or three steps. Just give me those, just, just those two or three steps. Let, let us sin just a little bit. Let us just change the law you know so that it'll be okay let us just rebel against god just just a bit more and 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 then we, we won't compromise anymore and then then that'll be enough but the problem is the stairs keep going down and culture keeps changing and it changes around us doesn't it hasn't our culture changed around us like totally what's okay for my kids wasn't okay in my day So a lot of that stuff's still not okay for my kids. and They don't get it, you know. Our culture changes around us. Those stairs just go on and on and on and on. And there's never a point of ceasing when you start down the road of doing stuff that separates you from God until you come to a place of repentance, yeah? And that's how it works. You know, I think the only reason Australia hasn't been judged when you think about it is because there's a remnant, there's a people that are still hungry and bring and give glory to God. There's still a people that call out and seek his face. You know, there's still a people that are so hungry for his word and hungry for a revival. Weren't we singing it this morning? Now, we know revival starts with us, but, you know, it's, Lord, send the revival and send it now. You know, we know you've done it before. Can you do it again? And I, I love that prophetic voice when, When Imy was singing, she's saying, Lord, you've done it before, so we know you'll do it again. You will do it again. We've got to declare that stuff in our lives all the time. Yeah, When, When things are tough at home, declare God's goodness. When things are tough at home, remember what he's done and remind him of what he's done and declare it and speak it over your family. Thank God for his continued mercy on us all. But occasionally, it seems, God will say, okay, Nebuchadnezzar, have it your way. You know, King Saul, he, he was a similar human being to Nebuchadnezzar, and I'll talk about him in a moment, but I just want to emphasize that the enemy will do anything to dehumanize us. Yeah, Because over the last 25 years, did you know over the last 25 years, the word human is not a word that we're supposed to be using? In a lot of circles around the globe, yeah, Human is actually a politically incorrect word. It's no longer correct because it has the word man in it. And true. And every word that has the word man in it seems to be politically incorrect. Even the word humanity is seen as politically incorrect. We're not supposed to say those things. I can say those things. I can say human, 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 because it's full, It's in the Bible. Yeah. But the PC world the secular world view wants us to bow to the god of evolution you know to say that we 're just like animals that's why, why if, if you ever listen to if you listen to any of those TED talks and you get the your, your atheistic philosophers they can be really they're really quite aggressive and they're, they're quite evangelistic often in trying to get people to believe how they believe when they introduce themselves they don't say that they're a man or a woman or, or a human being they are homo sapiens because they are just like the animals they're like every other creature that's that's what they're trying to bring across but you know what we may be a little bit the bible says like every other creature the bible tells us that but we're also distinct and different from every other creature because it was adam it was us who had to name all the creatures because we were in a distinct relationship with god that they were not we are not like every other creature we are not like the animals we are called to be human We were made a little lower than the angels, yeah? But we are very, very special in the eyes of Father God. I love Hebrews 2.14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shed in their what? Their humanity, yeah? Not in their homo sapienism. He shed in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Jesus came to destroy everything the enemy did and wanted to do. By sharing in our humanity. Coming as a human being. I love that. that is, it is such a, a good thing that he did that. He did, and he did that for us. Amen? Nebuchadnezzar needed to be converted. You and I needed to be converted. We needed Jesus. We needed the Holy Spirit. We needed God, yeah? Even, even for those like my kids that have been born into a Christian-believing, God-fearing family need to come to a place in their own walk where they say, God is real for me. Whether they do it when they're young, whether they do it when they're older, whether they do it when they're married, somewhere in their life, they have to say for themselves, God is real for me. For those of us that weren't born into a Christian home, I thank God for my Catholic upbringing and faith. But generally speaking, we live life in the world. When I discovered Jesus and God's love for me, it was really easy for me to say goodbye and step in. But sometimes for our Christian kids, they don't know what it's like over here. And the world makes over here look really good. Yeah? And sometimes they have to almost walk a tightrope and taste and see that the world is not so good, I'm coming back, you know? Sometimes that, but they have to make a decision for themselves. We all needed to be converted. We all needed, thank God for what he did through his son on the cross because we needed to be free from the power of sin. We needed to be set free from the power of the enemy. We needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, amen? And then filled with the Holy Spirit, now we can actually be fully human the way God intended us to be. So what's what's the devil doing with this man on the Sabbath day? The devil wants him to behave like a non-human. He doesn't want people to see him as God's best creation. <laughs> he Man, Adam's fall has really touched every every one of us. There's another time. There's another time where another demon possessed man, just a few kilometers from there, from Capernaum, where you know, if Capernaum's there, it's just to the left. You have got the lake, and then, then you got Gerasene, yeah, where Jesus delivered the demon possessed man. Jesus met, meets this demon possessed man. The man had taken off all his clothes. Now, I don't. I don't think any man naked looks great. Hopefully the man had a six-pack at least, you know. I don't know. But he's totally naked. What that means is all purity, all sexual purity. All of that had long gone. He no longer knew who he really was as a human being. He was acting like an animal. And I want to say at this point that Jesus made us who we are to be, human beings with great dignity. Yeah, And just because animals do it, just because evolutionists say that animals do it and it's okay it does not make stuff okay yeah we're called to be father god's redeemed race yeah. yeah and one day we'll all get to heaven and what a day of rejoicing that will be yeah remember that song we all yeah no one's going to sing it with me oh my god go there. The devil wants to take away the glory of man. So this man has no self-control. He's no fruit of the Spirit. Nebuchadnezzar loses it. King Saul's another one. An evil spirit comes upon Saul, and so he attacks the Lord's anointed one. Out of disobedience for kings, uh, with, with King Saul came jealousy. So let me just say, watch out for jealousy. Watch out for jealousy, because it seems that Saul was especially affected demonically, yeah, Out of jealousy for the Lord's anointed. So if we've got jealousy in our lives, let's give it back to God. Let's surrender it. Let's get rid of it. Let's not give the enemy a foothold, something to grab hold of. Because all the enemy wants is for our lives to be out of control. And when they're out of control, man, you think about it, it's like addiction, like it's gambling or alcohol or drugs, you know, those things that... The reason the church has views in those areas, and they're so mixed and they're so varied, but the reason that the church over the years has spoken into those areas is because those areas can master us. yeah. And think about it, when mastery comes into our lives, anything that makes us a slave is not of God. Anything. On the record, I actually think drinking is okay. I enjoy wine. But if you have no control of it, if it has mastery of you, then... Hey, it's not right. The enemy's got in. You've given him a foothold. Give it back. Yeah? Whatever it might be. You know, the, the truth is when we're caught in sin, any sin, any addiction, whether it be alcohol or drugs, whether it be pornography, whether it's an affair, whatever it is, when something's going on in our life, by definition, it's a secret. Yeah? It's a secret. And, and that secret, that's why it's so much fun because no one knows. But, but when someone comes along and says, hey, that's not right. Like Nathan did with King David and said, that's not right. You're the man. You sinned. Don't blame anyone else. You did what you did. He took all the fun out of it for David, didn't he? That was no longer a secret. The burst, he burst the bubble of David. Now this man, this demon possessed man, he's full of arrogance. What do you want? Jesus, holy one of God. And Jesus heals him simply with a word full of power. A word full of authority. He actually transforms the whole situation with a word. My whole message to get to this. Because I found that when someone's caught in sin or stuff that leads them away from God, when you confront them, they deflect. They get defensive. It's not them. Yeah, They get angry. They'll deny it. Until that person comes to an end of themselves yeah? and says, I'm in a mess. I need help. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's when God gets in and does a work. God may even use you to speak to someone. God may even have used someone to speak to you. Some of you here, some of you at home listening, may actually even have someone pictured in your mind. I just pray God gives you wisdom when you speak to them, yeah. This demon possessed man is not powerful like Saul or Nebuchadnezzar. But it has the same root. The devil's got him. And 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's the truth. We need to know that's the truth. Peter's sharing the truth. He experienced it firsthand. So I wonder with us, yeah, I wonder if you and I can recognize in our own life an area where the devil tries to get in. Maybe it's an old area. Who knows? The enemy will often try to get in where he's got in before. And if he can't, he'll make up something new. There'll be a new um, temptation. There's a good word. There'll be a new temptation. Can you see the power of the enemy in our world today? The devil wants to pick us off one by one. Because I would imagine that all of us here today and those that are listening at home, all of us know people that used to walk with the Lord. Yeah? He wants to pick us off one by one. But Why am I sharing all of this? Because Ephesians 6.12 says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, as I read before, so that by his death he might break the power of uh, of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. Last week we sang a song, This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battles. If we know the schemes and we know how to fight, if we want our new beginnings, we need to know how to fight for them. And not only do we need to know, know the enemy schemes, we need to know the tools to use. And this is why Jesus used few words. And they were filled with such power and authority, that same power and authority he gave to us, didn't he? Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he sends us out. In Luke 10, 19, I've given you authority to trample on stakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. He's given us this power. So this year, if we're really going to go after these new beginnings, if we really want God to move in our life, if we really want that stuff, we need to speak over the situations with a simple word filled with power and filled with authority. Because it, you don't need a pastor to do it, and you don't need music playing over your head. You have the Spirit of God that, that raised Jesus from the dead, living inside of you. All you need to do is speak it out in power, and Jesus will give you the victory. You know those six words were so special because the first Jesus's words first they claim victory. Mark one twenty-five. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. When Jesus says be quiet in the Greek, it actually, it's like he's talking to a dog because it actually, the translation is be muzzled. Be muzzled. I love this. I love, I love that this is going to give me so much freedom to offend people. Um, in, in other words, he's saying, you're not allowed to say anything else. Be quiet. Be muzzled. Shut up. That's cool. That's from Jesus. I love that. And on, the, and, and on the storm, that when, the, when the storm took place on the lake, when he spoke to the storm, Jesus again was like he was speaking to a dog. Because when he spoke to the storm to be still, it was like he was speaking these words Down, boy. Man, I love it. Get muzzled down, boy. That's our Jesus. That is so cool. He's just gone to a whole nother level for me. He says, be quiet, be muzzled. And Jesus speaks with such authority. Do you know why? Because he knows that you and I have actually heard enough from the enemy. He knows that the culture has spoken lies enough into our lives. He knows that the philosophies of this world have infiltrated the families all across the globe. And he speaks with power and says, be quiet, be muzzled, down, boy, shut up. And then he comes to us and he says, just believe in me. Trust in me. I love this. I love how he he does this. He goes, believe in me, hear my voice. Ephesians 4.27 says, do not give the devil a foothold. So this year, while I ask everyone to stand. Andrew, do you mind if I get the keys, please? This year... Can I ask you to close your eyes for a moment? All of us, each and every one of us, those that are listening and watching at home, those that are here, no matter what you're going through, you need to tell the enemy to be quiet. You need to tell the enemy to be muzzled. You cannot speak into my life about that. When the enemy's making you feel guilty, making you feel undervalued, not valued, not worthy. Be quiet. Be muzzled. You cannot speak to me like that. When the enemy's having a go and you feel like the world around you's exploding in power and authority with a simple word, with the Spirit of God that lives in you, down, boy. Be still. Down, boy. Don't let it affect you this year because this year you've got new beginnings. This year, there's dreams that God wants to reopen, reignite. This year, he wants to give you an idea that will so blow your mind that you're going to have to say every second day, be muzzled, be quiet, down boy, just to get that dream alive and keep it alive. It's time to claim that authority. It's time to claim the power that's been given us by Jesus, through Jesus, for Jesus, yeah? this year Isaiah fifty-four, seventeen: no weapon forged against you no weapon forged against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you that's you if you tapped yourself on the shoulder that's you you will refute it you will claim it you will declare it This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. And for people that are unwell, like Ross at home, Judy with her back, Nick with his, Ben with his foot, others that are unwell, those six words, not only are they powerful and bring victory, they bring healing. Acts 10, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power first, yeah? And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. It starts with power, his power. And that power, that, that's, that's been given to us through the Holy Spirit. And that power leads to healing. So this day... These words led to a new beginning for the demon-possessed man, you know. But will they be the same for us this year? With every eye closed, if you know that you've got dreams, if you know you've got visions, if you know you've had negative things spoken over your life, if you know you're fighting every day to quiet the voice of the devil, I'm going to ask you to step to the front right now. I don't even know if I'm going to pray for you yet or whether we're just going to worship. But I'm going to ask you to come to the front. If you have a new beginning that you know you need to fight for, then come to the front. Don't leave this place without your victory. Don't leave this place and go home and fight the same battles on your own. Don't leave this place and make that happen. Don't be like everybody else that always comes up and shares the same story and wants prayer for the same stuff. Sometimes we've got to break the yoke. Sometimes we've got to bring it to the Lord. Sometimes we have to worship and pray so loud that only the Holy Spirit can do a work. Do you want to play the guitar, Sam? I don't even know if we want drums. How do you feel like singing a song? You don't have to. Cool. We're making a change, Stephen. This is going to be a victory song. And so while we're setting up, while those are at home, (laughs) if your roast is burning, fear not. This is not a roast Sunday. It's a Jesus Sunday. We're going to sing victory into our lives today. We're going to sing the beginning of victory into our lives today. We're going to come to a place where we're going to say to the enemy, be muzzled, be quiet down, boy. Maybe God's given you a picture of someone that you need to pray for. This is not about embarrassing you. <laughs> Sometimes a step of faith actually requires a step in the, in the physical, a step in the body. If you've got someone that you know you need to speak to, then I'm just asking you to come forward and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with His power and His might. Yeah, your phone. What do you want to sing? Yeah, cool.